Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I am your host, Aaron Osborne. This week is a very special episode for me. Part one of a three-part podcast upload, I guess, that'll happen over the next week or so when I get time to put them all together. Um, This is the first of the most recent live podcasts I did. Um, which happened this past weekend in Melbourne and the weekend before that in Brisbane, um, which both went really well and I really enjoyed the conversations I had and it was a great experience again to have these chats in front of people um, because, you know, I think a lot of these things are fun and I think it's cool to see and sort of be a part of it a little bit more, I suppose, and get immediate feedback from people by having a live audience there. So hopefully it's something we can continue to do um, and people continue to be as awesome as they are currently and support it and be guests on it and things like that. Um, before I get into this though, I'd like to thank, uh, young Henry's for giving me a bunch of beer. Um, I'd like to thank the reverence and crowbar for putting up with my talking and my demands. And I'd like to thank crush for playing at the Melbourne show. It was awesome. Most of all, I would like to thank all the guests. Um, they'll individually be, heard on each of these uploads but um obviously it wouldn't have been possible without them so i really appreciate them coming along and lastly thank you so much to everybody for coming it's really cool that my friends and people i know and people i don't know and people who like the podcast support the idea of doing it live and you know the conversations that we have and the ideas i guess that the me as the host and my guests sort of express as well um I really do appreciate it and I uh, couldn't be more grateful for the opportunities that I have to do these things. So I thank you guys all very much. Um, So this episode um, is the first part of the two-part Melbourne podcast. My guests on this episode were Natalie Hendry, Ben Searle and Meg Gallagher. So Meg and Ben have both been guests on this podcast in the past. Um, Meg is an MMA fighter, fantastic. Solo is a budding stand-up comedian, a musician, a fucking good mate of mine, and he does a podcast called The Bad Times as well. Um, He's really funny. He's got a really good input into the sort of ideas that I was expressing on the weekend. And Nat Hendry is a lecturer and a researcher, Um, so she has a wealth of knowledge with some sort of substantial backing, unlike the rest of us drongos. Um, but yeah, so this conversation was sort of based around, um, how people's personal lives or real working lives, the boring side of their personality interacts with live music or the alternative music scene or, um, you know, having, having a different life that's sort of separate from the one that you present at your workplace. Um, so it was really cool getting to talk to them and chat with them about that. Um, so yeah, that's this episode. Uh, before this gets started too, I'd like to plug one thing. I exist. My band is playing at the Tote in Melbourne this weekend with Witch Skull from Canberra, The Ruiner, Blunt Shovel and Derailment. It's on Saturday the 23rd of July. Uh, it's $15 and it starts at 8 o'clock. It's at the Tote. Fucking brutal. Go to the Tote, baby. Get down there. All right, enough of that. Um... 
Thanks. Enjoy the live podcast. Two more will be coming soon. Fucking brutal. Hi, I'm Aaron. I feel like a teacher, which I am. <laughs> You all were quiet very instantly. Last time we did this, we held the microphones and uh, a lot of people talked with them down here and a lot of talk people went like this a lot. So this time we have these things, so I apologise if it looks like I'm conducting a seminar, but I'm sure this will all be very educational regardless, so pay attention, please. Um, before I get started, I would like to... Uh, thank the reverence for having me again. Please put your hands together. Uh, it was fantastic to do this here last time, and it's awesome to do it again. I would also like to thank Young Henry's. I'm a sponsored person now. I'm a corporate pig. Um, but uh, yeah, the beer tastes good, so they're for $6 if you want to buy them. If not, I'll keep drinking them, so... Do what you will. Um, also, another thing I would like to thank everyone here for coming to because this is a weird thing for me. Um, it's something I did just to sort of fuck around and talk to people. And it's awesome that people come out and support their friends and support me and this podcast and the ideas and stuff. So thanks to you guys. Give yourselves a round of applause, please, for coming and listening to people talk. Um, so, I'll start welcoming people up here. Uh, my first guest, well, they're all first guests, I guess, but um, the first person who will come up here um, is Meg, because she's standing up. Fantastic. <laughs> keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping. She's got to make it all the way to the stage. Look at her go. Keep clapping. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm on the prices right. Unfortunately, there are no prizes. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. You can pull this closer to your head if you want. Awesome. Now, you, you look like you really are lecturing with your <laughs> little thing there. <laughs> I need to, like, relax more. Um, okay, next guest, round two, Ben Searle. Yeah! Ah, uh, you were too oh, slow. That's all right. And last but not least, Nat Hendry. Yeah, Nat. Yeah. <laughs> First time guest of the podcast. Amazing. Look at her go. I was told I needed to run down like it was the prices right. My hands in the air. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you did that. Great. <laughs> I'm glad we got the prices right thing going here early, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to move this chair. Um, okay, so the idea behind this first one was to talk about um, music being something that sits alongside your real life or your boring life or, you know, your great life, but music and alternative music in particular as something that sort of influences that or sits alongside of that. So I guess to start things off... Um, I guess the first thing that I wanted to 
sort of get from you guys is how you see it sort of impacting on you at the moment. How is having this weird interest that sits sort of outside of, I guess, normal or popular culture, how does that influence what you do day to day, if it does at all? Um, <clears throat> everyone from your work wants you to send your band link to them uh, <laughs> yes. on the email. Uh, that's good. Uh, and it, I think everyone, like if, you, if you're in a band particularly, people think that like, that's what you want to do for a living and it's not just something that can sit outside of your regular life or your study or your other activities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, the biggest thing has been, I mean, I do like Metallica, but literally... <laughs> That is the only comment I get about this stuff. Like, oh man, you must love Metallica. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I do. But we don't need to talk about it at work. A guy at work goes, is it like Weezer? And I was like, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> How about I, you guys? I had someone tell me that I was in a cult the other day. Ah, nice. Yeah, so it was interesting. <laughs> How do you feel? Uh, Being part of this cult. Well, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, as you know, nobody's asked me to drink any, you know, Kool Aid laced with cyanide yet. Just so wait. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, no, but uh, I think I have a few different kind of avenues of my life that don't necessarily intersect, mm -hmm. um, and so I have quite a few people in my life that think this is all very weird. Yeah. Well, I would say. Firsthand from uh, going to see you fight some weeks ago, I had a very strange experience in the sense that that was a you know a subculture that I had had no prior experience yeah, with. Yeah, it's it's a whole other world, kind of like this. Yeah, to some people is a different world. Yeah. Mm. The first time I saw you fight, Meg, it was really exciting because they took my UDL can and they put it into a plastic <laughs> cup. And I was with my friend Brenton, who I was living with at the time, and we had made this really amazing metal mix for the car. So we had the windows down and we're screaming and yelling. And I thought I'd get dressed up in something really demure, so it's all floral and lacy. And then I'm standing there at the rest... Uh, fighting, I don't know, the wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> you can tell I kind of didn't really take it in, too many UDLs. Um, <laughs> they were cheap. Um, and it was just amazing and seeing different people talking, but it was awesome. It was so exciting. Then on the way back and singing, probably not in key anymore, but <laughs> brilliant, yeah. A big thing for me mm. with that was discussing it with other people that were there, part of the subculture we are a part of saying like that must be how I was thinking must be exactly how people think when they drive past here and they're like ah oh, that's what happens in there those people have other people like them and they do something because I was like in this room there was all these people wearing tracksuits and everyone had <laughs> tattoos on their face and I was like fucking hell there, this there is where they are face tattoos and rat tails going around they're all here I think it's um, it's just another one of those things that has a perception or sometimes a stigma, I guess, attached to it, kind of like this does sometimes. Yeah. It's like, oh, you must love Metallica. Well, yeah, for sure. Oh, you must go out and get in punch-ons at the pub on the weekend. Like, yeah, but and it's, love tracksuits. <laughs> and love tracksuits and bum bags. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that does come from somewhere. Yeah. That perception, but... Um, it's very similar in the sense that 
there's a real sense of community <laughs> and it's that's quite parallel to this, I guess, for me, which yeah. is cool. And I guess to that credit then, how did something like hardcore or you know, metal or alternative music or whatever, how has that sort of seeped in or influenced it or what you do within that subculture that sits like, you know, relatively far away from it, I guess? So how is there like a crossover yeah. for the hardcore scene and fighting for me? Is yeah. that what I mean? There's not really, to be no, honest. No, no, that's okay. Um, I think there are parallels, definitely. Um, and I feel super lucky because I have not only one awesome support network and one group of great friends doing positive things, but then I have another one mm -hmm. right there as well. Um, and recently, you mentioned my fight a couple of weeks ago, which I actually lost. It was my first professional loss. Mm -hmm. And... That fucking sucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was really hard to deal with. I'm still dealing with it. Um, but I had all of, you know, these friends from the hardcore scene as well as all of my friends from training and my teammates. Um, and so I had two completely different but both really important systems of support that really got me through that. Yeah. So. Well, that's, that's great to have. Mm. I think it, it's also easy to to forget that that support network exists until you're outside of it. Mm. Um, like recently, like last year, I started to try and um, get involved in doing some stand-up comedy and stuff like that. And it was almost like starting again from the start. I didn't realise that I'd kind of built these, this big network of people in, in punk or hardcore um, that I could draw upon to help with things and come together and build something. It was almost like entering it as going to my first show again and going like, oh, I don't know any of these people yeah. uh, and trying to make friends again. Feeling like the first day of school or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's funny because everyone's talking about things being quite separate, aside mm. from when friends kind of leak into different places and spaces. I knew I wasn't going to just talk like I'm lecturing, but places you and are, spaces. You are, you are a lecturer. Shit. Um, so let's talk about um, where hardcore <laughs> comes in the university. Um, so when I was listening to Meg, I was thinking about, I did an honours project in 2005 looking at hardcore zines and I found it the other day and it feels like such a world ago and everyone I spoke to in 2005 didn't really have a sense of what punk was or what hardcore could be or what a zine was and you had to sort of go through step by step what that sort of stuff was whereas now sort of transplanting back to 2015 2016 there are academic books on this stuff there are people lecturing about these things they're talking about what does it mean to be um, a part of a community online versus a community that people go to shows comedy um, fighting and so on so it's almost like my lives are now like a Captain Planet. Um, my whole life You've is sort it. of like Captain Planet, yeah, you know. <laughs> Except whichever one was that love um, ring. Yeah. yeah. Forget that one. He had the cool monkey friend though. Yeah. I'm only just getting into being like okay with dogs. Um, uh, but yeah, so it's been really interesting watching um, things that were kind of really important and pivotal to me growing up that nobody made sense of in the mid-90s and then going to the early 2000s that now almost into 2020 if I want to read some cultural studies expose onto um, how space is used in shows and feelings you can get that it's there and in some ways it's really strange it's a bit creepy all my students will come and wearing band shirts of bands that my friends are in and I just sit back and don't say anything um, and then 
there are times when I've just lost it in class and then they'll say something then I'll go, well, this happened in... And then I realise that's not my job is to teach, is not to tell people the history of something that happened 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, so, uh, would you say that those experiences that you've had and, I guess, life lessons that you've learnt have sort of impacted a lot then on what you do now from this weird subculture, I suppose? Uh, my life lessons are constantly changing. Every time I think I'm sorted, I'm screwed. Um, <laughs> my therapist would say the same. Um, <laughs> I haven't told him anything about what music I'm into yet. We'll so save hopefully that for he doesn't another listen day. to this. <laughs> no, I'm sure he's too busy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the kinds of things that I learned, I guess for me, um, I went to an all-girls school. Most of my friends who were into pop punk at the time in sort of 96, 97, um, they were the ones that got me into music. But the other side of it was the internet. I didn't leave my house that often because um, my family members were unwell. So being someone that was always online was super important. And the kinds of ways I think about being friends with people online hasn't changed. So when they say that social media is now the big thing, the internet and media was always social for me. So yeah. in some ways that's carried through. Um, and they're things that I wrote about in my undergrad, they're things that I taught when I was in teaching high school, and they're things now that suddenly I'm doing a PhD about this stuff, not about music so much, but um, what it means to be friends with people online and have relationships and so on. And, well, I think that online community thing that, that sort of sits behind that has become a lot more popular. Remember like a couple of years ago, people asking like, oh, how did you find your housemate? And I'm like, uh, well, he posted on a forum uh, asking <laughs> for someone who was vegan to move in his house, and I did. <laughs> and he was hoping it wasn't the person that posted all those nudes of someone. Yeah. That, yeah, <laughs> was not cool, yeah. Um, no, but I think, I mean, that that's, I mean, it's come up a lot in doing this podcast is like how uh, I know the people that I've been speaking to, and I would say like 80% of the people you know, that I talk to either come from playing in a band, but I only got on those shows because of meeting people online, basically. And, you know, I know a lot of us in this room come from a place that was like a similar community and stuff like that. But I think that's been like, had like a huge impact on my life. And I guess that was kind of at the start of doing the podcast was kind of the idea was to talk to people who weren't the singer from a band or the cool guy talk to the people that sort of had you know other things to say and other ideas and stuff like that and I think um yeah like a really big way that this has sort of influenced my life is in the sense that I'm sure you know it may or may not be similar for all of you but that I have like I feel like I have two distinct lives I have this work life that's real I mean it's you know I got tatters and I play in a band. Cool. Nice, nice man. <laughs> but like it, it in itself, that's like that's how I exist there. In a good pun for my band. Thanks. <laughs> um, cheers, everybody. <laughs> um, we'll play in a show next week if you want to come. But uh, whatever. Um, no, but like it in that place. That's what I am. And then here, I'm it's tiny little speck of other people that are like that and it's almost like that's what's sort of really interesting to me is that how we all function in the things that are totally separate so i mean i guess another thing that i was thinking about a lot this week prior to doing this is like how i guess the relationships that you've built within that 
have influenced the relationships that you've built outside of it because much like myself, I think a lot of my friendships and things like that come directly from music or from, like you said, Nat, like the internet. Mm. How has that then either affected or influenced the relationships that you've built outside of that culture, I suppose? Um, oh, well, I was thinking about uh, like something around like dating someone outside of the... Uh, yeah, let's talk about like this. <laughs> let's just get right into it. Um, but like, it was just something as simple as like listening, like it was like driving in the car and I was listening to something like, I think like I had a Converge CD in and they were just like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, you didn't go through all the steps to get to that. <laughs> you can't dive in here. Yeah. This is not a jumping off point. <laughs> Seriously, not a jumping off point. Converge, no. <laughs> I don't think that um, the relationships I have here necessarily um, directly affect relationships I have, say, at work or family or, um, you know, other friends. Um, but I think it's more the effect is on my perspective of those relationships. So um, having so many common values makes the bonds that I have with friends in this space so strong. And it's one of those things where you can be friends with somebody who you've met on Instagram or something like that or Facebook or whatever because you've both commented on the same picture or whatever and they might live in Europe but, you know, you feel tighter with them than you might with someone that you would work with and see every day. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a level of mutual respect with a lot of people in this scene that makes me take a really good look at relationships I have with people outside of it mm -hmm. um, and the way people treat each other and things like that. So Yeah. Well, I think a, a big thing for me that's obviously not uncommon about everyone else is that like we sort of, um, particularly around an election and things like that, that the ideas and things that have come up for me in my life uh, and the way I feel about things have come, were quite influenced by the music that I've played and the people that I've become friends with through that and how I see a lot of people, like I'm sure everyone else in this room has fucking idiot friends from school on Facebook and an election is the best time to thin out your friend list when <laughs> you see racist comments and things like that. But like I think that's another big thing for me too is not only like the relationship that I developed, but how those relationships have then sort of informed how I think about the world beyond just, you know, how I date people or how I like playing riffs. Like, but how I see everything broader than that has been like quite, you know, substantially affected by listening to rah-rah music. Oh, I'm trying really hard to work out if I should talk about dating stuff, which is often... Well, do what you want. Or the politics. I'm going to go politics. So. Okay. Um, we'll get back to dating, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess for me, the first few things that I read were things from Heart Attack Scene and there were arguments in them about things that I didn't quite understand. So a lot of my early... Um, understanding about feminism was from post-colonial, so lots of different people who were African-American, Asian, writing in different places, mostly in the US, and that came to me through hardcore. 
through going to um, Missing Link, finding zines there, reading about it, dialing up and the slow internet process to make sense <laughs> of all of that. Um, and then I think in sort of 2005, 2006, I met some really amazing people um, who were really interested in what we do in the world and how do we make a difference in a way that doesn't rely on the kinds of structures that treat a lot of people like shit, whether that be police or um, the education system or so on. And then if I look back, as much as I absolutely adore my experiences in being in hardcore punk, whatever that means, it's almost like there's a dip where either I got fatigued or I got tired or there was almost like a limit, um, particularly when it came to things like what it means to be queer, um, thinking about racism and ethnicity and... I went into teaching full-time and I got really interested in mental health and working in that space and working in psych hospitals. And then it wasn't until I started my PhD that I think I found the folks who gave me the same feeling that I got when I first kind of got into hardcore and punk. And it's been really exciting because they'll still call me out on stuff. Um, they'll share different things and ideas with me. And I guess I'm not just deleting all the people who are racist off the internet, yeah. but people are saying, hang on, Nat, that might not be so cool the way you're thinking about that, or what do we do to extend? And I think in some ways for me it's almost like there was a limit of how far I could go in hardcore being an adult, being mm -hmm. someone who is getting paid by the government to research something that they're passionate about, um, who's a white woman, who presents as straight, all of those kinds of things too. So it's almost like a dip. Um, but in saying that, there's not that sense of regret. There are so many people I've met who are like, oh, I hate hardcore, it's a load of bullshit. Um, it's the worst thing ever. These people are all childish idiots. And you sort of go, well, you know, a year ago you were saying how amazing it was. So it's not saying it's rubbish, but there's almost like a limit. Yeah. And I'm curious about people's limits as to when you need to go outside of whatever scene or community that you're in, or you need to get space away and then come back to it, or go overseas and meet friends in, I don't know, Europe who are into Converge too, and what that means. Yeah. Maybe date them. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I guess something I was thinking of about, you know, there, I, being involved in a subculture is not always relatable to people outside of it, or definitely not um, in some cases. And I just had this, like, weird thought that maybe... Like punk robbed me of having a mortgage and a small family. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I wouldn't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, but well, I guess robbed is not the right word. But it's sort of there is a. I, th I feel like there's a very linear path for some people, and it kind of showed shows you that, that there is something outside of that, and maybe there is something you can sort of strive for more. Um, yeah. Well, I would say if anything, I mean, a thing f for me is that, like, I think I and I'm, I'm sure some people did, some people probably had the total opposite effect, but like a huge impact on my life growing up was my mum and, and how she sort of influenced me a lot and I was really, you know, all the ideas she had and things she did were really like impressed on me and I really strived to be like as good as my mum was at everything. But then, you know, when I started fucking smoking bongs in the park and listening to death metal, it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Mum didn't do this. <laughs> I really asked this up. <laughs> um, but I guess th then, you know, my path sort of went down a different way in the park with bongs. But, you know, like started playing music and all that stuff. And then, but all the while I sort of didn't really think of things. But then, you know, the whole time I was doing that, my mum was like, no, this is a good thing for you. Not the bongs, but um, <laughs> the metal and shit. Like, she thought, you know, that was 
like her traveling when she was, you know, just out of school and things like that, you're sort of learning how you exist within the world and how like, you know, you're going to develop yourself. And I think a huge thing for me was taking that time and fucking up a bunch and, you know, playing shows instead of going to school and drinking heaps instead of saving money. And, you know, you sort of learn your limits with things and it, it sort of showed me how I needed to get there, I guess. Mm. And it, you know, it wasn't the path of, particularly in Canberra, like a lot of people that I grew up with who went literally finished year 12 and then went straight to a degree so that they could get a job in the public service or went straight from year 12 to the public service and that is still what they do and that's fantastic for them but I could not think of anything worse for me anyway. Um, but I guess to that then, how, I guess when you finished your schooling and stuff, how did this impact how you went about things after that? Like how did you sort of find yourself as an adult after intertwined with this, I suppose? Well, the summer that I finished year 12, um, I had decided I was going to go and study in the city because the city was cooler than the suburbs because that's kind of your sense because everyone, friends lived in squats in Brunswick at the time and you go and visit them and it was so much more exciting than Wheeler's Hill which has a hill and a Safeway <laughs> and a, a Red hill. Rooster and a really amazing art gallery too, um, which I'm really privileged to have Is that a to part see. of the Red Rooster? Or? No, that's just this <laughs> other part that I always forget about. Um, but I was out with a friend of mine who um, was doing swing dancing lessons in 2000. We went to Goo afterwards, which was the alternative club at the metro in the city, which may or may not be being space being pulled down and we met these two people and someone was wearing um, a Kill Choir Project t-shirt and someone else was wearing a far side shirt and we became friends with them and they said oh we go to Monash University and I went oh there are people that know things that are going to study in the suburbs so for me I always wanted to study I didn't know what I just thought let's do something broad um, and for me it was those folks and then I started doing radio at university with all of them they were DJing at different clubs um, some of them were in bands some of them did websites for um, bands like Heartfelt Self you know the really old old HTML sort of <laughs> early 2000s um, Melbourne emo um, so for me it was that sense of needing to meet people and then you kind of follow along these little pathways and then all of a sudden I'm signing up to do philosophy with these folks. Some of them have disappeared from my lives. They kind of have decided they want to be snowboarders and have gone somewhere Huge. else. Someone Love else that. is doing something I don't understand in Chicago that's something, something about philosophy legal, I don't know. Other people are still in my lives but you kind of, it's almost like, it's not that you need to follow leaders but you kind of, you don't know what is available to you until you can see that there's a pathway. Mm. Um, so having those folks to say, you don't really need to go and travel into the city to study, you can do this. And I was like, awesome. And I can sit around at Whole Foods eating a whole heap of vegan chocolate self-sourcing pudding um, and talking about things that I read um, that had nothing to do with my university work too. And then you'd go out to Goo and you'd go to whatever those other places were um, or shows at Midian and things like that. So for me it was this sort of... You meet people and then you do something else and all of a sudden I'm still at university five years later and then I decide I need to take time off and then I get bored and I go back to university and 16 years later I'm still at university. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for me it's definitely those people that lead you on. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's like it gives you 
sometimes those scenes can kind of give you a bit of a shortcut to those people that you don't have to mm. change to fit into the mould of what it's like to be going mm. to university. You can still remain someone who's part of a subculture but also involve that with Or your not study. going to university too, which was yeah. really important for the other friends that we met through those folks that were less like, fuck that, it's no way I'm going to... Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah. Fucking earth, dude. <laughs> Say whatever you want. My lecture the other week and everyone looked shocked and I thought, oh, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, definitely. And then people also saying you don't need to do these things and you don't need to buy a house. But if you want to buy a house, that's cool too and this is how I did it. Or, yeah. um, you know, I want to start a business. How do you go about doing that? Or I want to go overseas and do an animal rights um, campaign over there. Oh, there are people we can connect you to. So in terms of networking, the kind of thing you think of old boys' schools... Hardcore is awesome for that, particularly if you need graphic designers. Um, anyone that would design a T-shirt for you, photography. She awesome. is the yeah. like eight people the in business, this room that yeah. are graphic designers. <laughs> I was going to name people, but <laughs> no. They're all here. Yeah. That was like I the thing. A couple of years ago, my mate Tom and I um, like started a small DIY venue, which lasted a very short amount of time. Um, Rest <laughs> in peace. But I just remember people at the time saying, like, oh, like, was it hard to get the permits and stuff? And I was like, oh, no, we didn't do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just found some guy on Gumtree to rent it off. <laughs> Started putting amps in. Um, so it kind of gives you this idea that it, maybe there's not so many barriers to starting things that you want to do. Yeah. Mm. I found that um, that was speaking about pathways and when I took some time between high school and going to university and I found that when I did go to uni I studied um, communications and I majored in PR which is so not punks but um, (laughs) I was I found that I was the only one in any lecture I ever went to wearing jeans and band shirts Um, most people that I spoke to wanted to work in fashion and things like that um, which is cool uh, I was kind of there because I was leaning towards um, sports management, shock horror. Um, <laughs> but uh, I ended up being pretty miserable by my third year in that degree. But I, it did lead me to, I studied in Vietnam at an RMIT, I have an international uni there. Um, and that opened up a whole other thing for me. Um, and so even though... I didn't necessarily feel like I fitted in with the other people I was studying with, although I had made friends. Um, It opened up that avenue for me. Um, I went to Vietnam and then I went to Cambodia and in Cambodia then I found a passion for volunteering. I volunteered the whole time that I was there. Um, And then that just, yeah, changed my perspective on pretty much everything and that was just through uni doing a degree that I don't use now (laughs) um so yeah I think that your pathways and the people that you meet you know can encourage you in different ways and really open up different aspects of life that we don't necessarily I think it can be quite easy to get caught up sometimes in this scene with blinders on because we do all share so much um so I think that relationships outside of here can also help to encourage different aspects of your life that maybe not necessarily you're even aware of yeah or even to see the things that were good about the folks you go to shows with that you can kind of then think about when you're outside of that too so kind of playing both off each other Mm. yeah Yeah. 
and it's it's not all like an all or nothing thing as well. You can take the bits that really identify you identify with and, and apply those to your working life or your study life, things like that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a, a big thing for me was like realizing that sort of the you know childcare and education and stuff that I was exploring totally to the side of what I was doing musically. Um, then when I sort of started meeting more and more people, you know, finding that other people had those interests as well, that was like, you know, like yourself and yeah. like, you know, one of the guys from my band is a chef at a childcare centre and like things like that were cool that I only found out because of doing this weird thing. I used to say it was serendipity. I remember so many people saying to me, how did you end up doing the kind of work or research that you were doing or teaching in particular places? And I said, oh, it's serendipity. It's almost like that sliding doors where things just go on. But in some ways that's kind of discounting that you kind of find folks that lead you to different interests and different things that you're into or ask you the questions that make you realise, oh, I know about this stuff but I don't know about that in the same way that people are still messaging me in 2016 about STIs because once upon a time on a broken glass forum, <laughs> I used to talk about that there stuff. because I was <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, because that's the kind of stuff I talked about because that's what I did. I did community education talking about sex ed that um, I can't call that serendipity anymore. Um, there's something else there and it's not that you sit down, you have a path. So I think when you said, Ben, that people have this linear idea of what they're going to do in life... No, that doesn't sound like anything that any of us did. But at the same time, it's not this purely chance, serendipitous, manifesting reality. It's something in between. And I'm sure there's some kind of theory that makes sense of it. Yeah. So let us know when you know yeah, what that well, is. I, know that. <laughs> well, I think yeah. that I remember hearing once that like good things come from weak ties and that might be that you meet someone at a show and you talk about a particular thing and then you might find that you form a really strong friendship with that person and then you might end up starting a business with that person or something like that as well. Mm. Well, I think, I mean, even this for me, like just talking to people came from like just, you know, sort of mucking around and getting drunk and stuff and then I was like, oh, I love when people look at me when I talk. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> May as well do that. No, but like, I, I yeah, you really... You really it was something that I thought that was like, this could be a fun thing to do that maybe people would like to listen to is that like, I feel like I have a lot of conversations with people that aren't, you know, they're not, uh, wouldn't be seen as important for whatever reason or, but like maybe people would like to hear about what, you know, other people's ideas are and if you could document them and record them, that's just as important or just as valid as writing songs and, you know, smoking a bunch of bongs and you know making music out of it or whatever like this could have that same impact or value to people that that like this is just talking has just as much importance to the things that I do as playing music does or you know teaching wood or whatever because there's definitely particular stories that um, get rehashed all the time as part of a scene or community, whether it's about a particular show or when something happened and someone fell on something and smashed their <laughs> head or whatever it happens to be, and they almost become like a folklore. Um, yeah. And sometimes that's awesome because it'll be the time when so-and-so finally told someone to stop touching their ass at a show and then they stopped or they disappeared and you're like, hell yes, awesome. And then there are other times when you go at the stories that kind of sit in the middle of our community stories that are just about the same people saying the same stupid things, doing the same... Fighting. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and sometimes that's funny and it can be really awesome, particularly at the end of a show where everyone does that kind of two hours of stuffing around till they finally <laughs> go home. Yeah. And for folks that need to drive, you know, long distances, it's that, you know, outside the art house, for example, the amount of times you'd stay there until eventually you miss the last train and mm. you somehow find somewhere to stay. But the kinds of stories that are shared, um, you kind of don't want them to be the big banners for your community versus the stories that do talk about folks that did awesome things, looked out for other people, um, that weren't just constantly about someone saying some racist, asshole thing yeah. on the internet. Maybe they live in Adelaide, maybe they don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I think... I don't know one. I, I think on top of that as well, though, that like hearing the stuff that's awesome to that too, mm, like... Yeah. Like how that has an effect on you and how that makes you intrigued or interested in then forming your own relationship with that person or a discussion with that person or something like that too. Like I think a a huge thing for me with this has been that um, like I've just learnt heaps more about people that I'm already friends with and it's weird to me that that's come through putting a microphone and an awkward interaction but like with yourself like we didn't know each other very well and then we did a podcast and I feel like since then we've sort of become better friends because of that yeah, and it's yeah, like sure. it's like a weird thing but it's it's cool and it wasn't smoking bongs in a park so <laughs> it's sort of more productive for everybody I guess but um what I don't are we know. doing after this smoking <laughs> bongs in the park is there really a Pokemon up, gym there really hyping up the park with this and it's we. all happening down the park guys <laughs> Pokemon th- and bonk, sorry. Oh, yeah, Pokemon, good lord. <laughs> I think that um, that kind of really is affected by where you decide to direct your energy. Um, I mean, I have been around a while, not as long as some, um, longer than others, but I've definitely seen so much positive social action from really great people who are doing incredible things and I've also seen some really awful shit go on Um, and I've seen people bringing each other down and um, I think giving a bit of a bad name to some of the things that we have going on Um, but at the end of the day I think that it's one of those it's like training a puppy and they do something bad. You don't give them attention. You deprive them of that um, and you reward good behaviour, I guess. So if you direct your energy and your focus into the great things that are going on rather than the guy who said that really bigoted thing on the internet and made you really mad for about five minutes before you realise it's better to just let that go... Um, Maybe it's not necessarily always better to just let it go. I think sometimes something does need to be said, um, you know, and people need to know what's okay and what's not. Um, But I feel like encouraging each other and giving praise to all of the really amazing things going on is way better than talking about that guy who started a fight at a show over something completely ridiculous. Yeah, I've been thinking about like that kind of stuff where um, like something very separate to this, like uh, the culture around AFL mm. and I really enjoy the game, but some of the culture around it is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so how do you enjoy the game while still sort of being involved in it? Do you 
just denounce the bad stuff and celebrate the positives or can you enjoy them as separate things? Mm. Um, can Like in punk, can you just enjoy the music and not look at any of the culture side of anything? I think you kind of have to take both. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I guess that's going to be like a, a problem people are going to have forever within any community that they're a part of is, you know, acknowledging the things that are going well and then, you know, ignoring or not paying too much mind to the stuff that's going bad and trying to work to sort of improve it or not be a part of that section of it, I suppose. But I think, I mean, <clears throat> a big thing for me has just been that, like, it's, and I guess I don't know if everyone feels the same way, but it's that it's all sort of about learning. Like, it's about learning who you are and about how you fit into the scope of things and how you feel about it all as well and how, like, you can you can do something positive, like you learn how you can affect that by other people fucking up, you know? <laughs> like you can see how that, oh, yeah, that is wrong and that is a terrible thing to do. So how can I positively have any, some influence on that, I guess? I think it's important to manage your own feelings about when it's appropriate to stand up for something and when it's appropriate for you to let it go um coming back to something nat said earlier on which sounded to me um almost like when you feel like you're burning out um and i've seen it with friends and i've felt it myself when sometimes you just get so tired of being angry about something and of trying to educate people about the things that they say or the things that they do um and i feel really lucky in that if I feel like I'm burning out, I have great people to lean on who have felt the same way on occasion. And then sometimes when friends of mine are burning out, I can be there for them too. And I think it's about picking your battles, but picking them at times when you know you can handle it, which is not all the time. And I think that that's okay. But I think that this is a community that is supportive, not only of issues, but also of each other. I think burnout's a good word. Um, I definitely felt that myself and the way I sort of pop in and out of different places and spaces. Um, but it's also interesting who talks about burnout and who doesn't talk about burnout and people who might be sitting here or listening to this going, what do you want about, like, burnout? Like, do you mean when you get punched or hurt at a show? Or what is this burnout thing? And often for women it might be about sexual violence or someone that they've dated that's still around and how you actually manage those kinds of things, particularly when you see that person all the time and you've been seeing them for a number of years and they're friends with so-and-so or you know about something that's happened with someone and they don't want to disclose that information and you want to be supportive but nobody knows the story. It's always these undercurrents. So being burnt out when you can't go, I'm going to totally step out but you're still entwined with all these relationships and people or being burnt out and not being able to vocalise those things is really difficult for people. Mm. I remember telling um, someone I was dating a number of years ago who was in a band about this sort of thing and he just looked at me blankly and going, what are you on about? What's this burnout business? Um, you know, why would anyone not want to come to a show? Um, they know what they're in for, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, if you want me to map out the social issues of who <laughs> has had beef with so-and-so, and then also the really serious stuff about racism and violence and sexism and homophobia and transphobia, that stuff stops people from actually being able to speak up. And 
trying to find that balance is really difficult. So I know for me, for burnout, I just have to escape. I have to disappear. Um, and I'm also someone that does get really motivated by anger and trying to work out why people are... Like, I'm not very good at letting anything go. If you want to know something that happened in your years ago, I'm really good at telling you that. <laughs> Can't tell you what happened last week. Um, but, yeah, that sort of sense of burnout is really interesting and that if... Some people kind of misread a lot of the um, Posse Kid kind of bands and stuff as saying that we're pretending that everything's beautiful and happy and sunny flowers. And you talk to anyone that's ever been in a band that does that kind of stuff or interested in that stuff, and they can tell you all the shit things yeah. that are happening under the radar, but they manage it in different ways. Yeah. And they're motivated by different things. And it's how do you actually make space for that stuff to come out there mm. so that we're not constantly talking about violence in a scene that's supposedly not about that kind of thing. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, something a friend of mine brought up a few years ago was around the concept that it, it, is it, it's quite unusual to have this bigger network of people or this bigger network of friends and then not everyone manages, the, you know, 20, 30, 40 people that they interact with on a weekly, monthly kind of basis. Mm. And then there is this kind of odd community well it's a community it's not a group of friends yeah which is uh, how many people deal with a community on a day-to-day basis like you've got your community around your house and your family um but it's almost like adding another thing on top of that as well yeah well i think i think to that too it's like yeah i mean i brought up a ton on this but how like whenever i talk to anyone in my family like i have so many more friends than people and it's just through doing this you know, dumb music stuff. But, like, that has had, like, you know, it's been really important for those really awkward things. Like, it's added a lot more of that awkward yeah. shit onto me than I'm sure some people don't experience or experience in a different way. But then to that credit as well, it's also added, you know, this really positive thing and something that's helped me sort of find who I am, uh, you know, outside of the, you know, more straightforward ways that you would do right outside of school or something like that. Um, so we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask if anyone has any questions for these people sitting up here. I can see all of you because it's daytime. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions? If you don't, it's fine. Oh, overwhelming silence. Um, well, uh, thank you for listening to the first part of this. Um, Cello's band Crush are going to play in a minute. We're going to move this out of the way. But before we finish up, could I please have a large round of applause to my three guests, Meg, Ben, and Nat. Thank you very much for talking with me. Thank Thank you very much for sitting and listening. Crush are going to play brutal. Cheers. (laughs)